0: Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the washing of the water of the Word of God. Cleanse us, wash us, renew our minds, Lord. Target our hearts and our minds. We submit our lives to you and all God's people. Say, Amen. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me together to Proverbs chapter 24. Um, Last year, towards the end of the year, Pastor Young gave this... um, Advice or this declaration that he encouraged the entire church to read the book of Proverbs. So I think um, me alongside with many of you, we were obedient sons and daughters of the house. So we started reading um, the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs contains a lot of different characters. You have the fool, you have the wise person, and you have this woman who is called Wisdom herself. You have the simple, you have the scoffer, you have this commendable woman, and so you have quite a number of interesting characters in a book of Proverbs. But one of the most intriguing to me is this character of the sloth or the sluggard. And it says here in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 to 32, he says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and conceded it. I looked and received instruction. You know, many of us, when we think of the word being slothful, the first thing that comes to our mind is laziness, okay? I've always thought that slothfulness and laziness were the same thing. But later, we will see that sloth is much more severe. it's not just a matter of personal productiveness, but it is a spiritual matter. So the Bible clearly reveals that slothfulness is a sinful heart condition. So one of the first things that we can see that sloth is excessive laziness. Because Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14, uh, it reveals that uh, as the door turns on its hinges, (laughs) so a sluggard turns on his bed, alright? And next in verse 15, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish and he is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. So what an image. It almost seems like the Bible is making fun of lazy people. But there's much more than it than just plain laziness. Because sloth is also the spirit of indifference. And the early church identifies law by its Latin name, acedia. And acedia is more accurately translated as uncaring or indifference. And a good word for it is apathy. Does that sound familiar when I use the word apathy? Because Jesus condemns the church in Laodicea not for their laziness, because they were hardworking, they were rich. Rather, He condemns them for their apathy. They were neither hot nor cold. They were just plain going through the motions. So sloth is sheer apathy in the face of the known will of God. So you can be the most overworked person in your community, and yet you have this spirit. And sloth sometimes strives, strives thrives in busyness, okay? So you have this posture of keeping oneself so busy so as not to attend to the most important and necessary tasks ahead of you. And sloth is wanting the freedom to please yourself and avoid difficulty, even though you know what's the right thing to do at that very moment. So comfort and safety is the preeminent thing in your heart. That means you wash your hands. We wash our hands off important things, right? And one of the key example that I see from scriptures is quite unique and interesting. I think many of us would not think of this character having the spirit of slaughter, but if you allow me to describe to you, and uh, it's in the Gospels. uh, He appears in the Gospels and he's Pontius Pilate. And this guy in the Gospel had an incredibly tough job. I don't envy him because he had to decide whether to acquit Jesus or to have him executed. And reading the text, you can tell that deep inside him, Pilate knew what was the right thing to do. His wife also tells him what he must do. She tells him, I had a dream last night and this man is innocent. Please, please let him go because I suffered much on account of him. So Pilate knew in his heart that Jesus was innocent. So what's stopping him? It's the Jewish high priest. They threatened, if you let him go, you are not Caesar's friend. So they have the political trump card. So Pilate asks for a basin of water to be brought to him, and as he washes his hands, perhaps he's muttering to himself, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I have to survive, right? So I'm doing this. So as he wipes his hands to dry, he proceeds to pass the death sentence on Jesus. And Pilate is taking the path of the least resistance. He's choosing the easiest option out. He's cutting a moral slack and he meant the life of an innocent. It meant the life of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so sloth is a disdain of responsibility because it encroaches on our freedom and it introduces into our lives restraint. It's a refusal to do what you have to do at a particular season because you don't want to be troubled. And if God is asking you to do something different, something difficult during this period, something that requires you to take a risk or something that requires you to step outside of your comfort zone at this very season, what is our response, right? And this is really tough for us because a sluggard is a genius in forming excuses, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13, it says, the sluggard says there's a lion on the road. There's a lion in the streets. And it always sounds legit, okay? But those who have understanding will know that it's a a joke because you will always be able to find excuse for your inactivity. Amen? And one of the effects of having this posture is boredom. And there's a difference between moments of boredom versus having your life being marked by boredom. And perpetual boredom is, I don't know, or I don't care what I'm designed to do. There was once a professor who asked his college class, uh, philosophy class, which do you think is a bigger problem in America right now, ignorance or apathy? And a young student said, I don't know and I don't care. It's true, true, right? And Sam Storms, um, he said this, one of the most serious threats to the human spirit is boredom, because boredom is the breeding ground for wickedness. Bored people are easy targets of the flesh and the devil. It is like putting a booze eye on your chest with a sign that says, Tell me, I'm easy. Why? Because boredom is contrary to the natural God-given impulse for fascination, excitement, pleasure, and exhilaration. Amen? So what is boredom telling us? And I believe it's like a warning as well as an invitation. Think of boredom as a dashboard warning indicator that starts dinging, right? Something has caused your interest level to run low and is draining your joy. What is it? And I just want to gently say that we are the most entertained generation that has ever existed. All the information exists on your smart devices. We have so many places to explore, more things to read, and yet we are bored out of our minds. And so I think the implication is that we are caught to much more greater and glorious things, amen? We are not designed to be fulfilled by watching two hours dramas every night. We are invited to be part of the greatest move of God being unleashed on this earth, and we are invited to join in and not just be a spectator, amen? That God has created us to expand His kingdom, but the sad thing is we are punting on it. Do you know that children are very perceptive? Okay. If they see their parents Talk with boredom whenever they talk about going to church. Hey, Papa, service starts at 10:15. It's okay lah. We still of time. We miss service a bit lah. We skip worship a bit. Okay, apathy about all these things. Yet they were overly passionate about Netflix or holidays. They will grow up to think that these things are more attractive than Jesus. Am I right? So don't blame the you pastor or the ch- or the children's church pastor. It starts in the home, right? If all you do, is get so excited. Hey guys two months later, we're going to Korea, and you plan now, you're so excited, you keep talking about it. But when it comes to the things of God, you're like, okay lah, okay lah. you miss 30 minutes, is okay. Your children will go up thinking that this is the way to go. Amen? I want to talk about a few, not so much solutions, but um, certain navigation that we can walk through. Okay? First, ask God to help you identify the reasons behind your slothful behaviour. You can start by praying Psalms chapter 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Second, stay under the right yoke. In other words, renounce the false freedom of this world. Embrace your design, embrace your responsibility, and embrace your obligations, and let them be on you like a yoke. We don't like this word, right? Because it means that you have taken this yoke placed by the Lord. It's not by yourself. It's by the Lord upon yourself and now you are going to plough with it. Because Jesus Himself said, my yoke is easy. So this is not your yoke, but it's given to you by the Lord. So you're not going to try to wriggle yourself out of the yoke but you're going to stay under the yoke of giving yourself to God in love, giving yourself to others in love, and giving yourself to this world in love and being a good witness. Amen? And that means not escaping the mundane at times. It means being faithful in the daily affairs and there's no virtue or inner transformation without repetition. Amen? So we stay put, we sink our roots deep, and we find the rich soil of virtue. Because if I forgive and I become patient with my boy day by day, I'm becoming a forgiving person. If I stay faithful to my spouse, even when things are tough, I'm becoming a faithful person. If I keep pursuing God, even when I feel His absence, I become a person who seeks after God. Amen? And you become the kind of person that you are by what you choose to do again and again. And how you live your life every single day is cultivating who you are. And if you want to overcome this giant of sloth, then you have to stay under the yoke of the responsibilities and the calling that God has placed upon your life for this season and you don't move from it. Amen? Practically, right, one of the things that we can talk about is relationships. The relationships that God has placed in my life for this season. And Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says, the soul of the sluggard craves. He craves and he gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So the sluggard craves and craves, but gets nothing. I know a lot, I know a lot of men, they, they really crave, they desire to have a relationship with their kids. They really desire, okay. but they come home from work, sit on the couch, Netflix, drink a beverage. They said you can crave all you want, but unless you invest in the relationship, You stay under the yoke of being a parent, stay under the yoke of being a spouse. And someone said this to me, Elijah, when you are home, you become the man of the second shift. That means when you get home, you don't check out. You check in, you lock in shift number two. Amen. Stay under the yoke of those relationships. Because Psalms chapter 123 verse 3 says, Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing redeem your home. And this does not happen automatically. Because our wives are called to be well-watered vines. And through our love, they are meant to grow in their giftings and feel cherished. It's not just, I say grace with her, ma, good for you, la. but husbands and fathers, Okay, we don't have to be the most knowledgeable in the Bible facts at home. We don't have to be the most mature. Okay, Just be intentional. We are called to shepherd her heart. Check the health of her soul. Amen? Because no particular form of ministry is more important to me than the ministry to my wife. And for the man, I just want to say that we are not designed to have too much free time in our hands. We are not designed to have so much energy, untapped energy, before we go to bed. We are called to love the Lord our God with our minds, our soul, and our entire beings, our hearts, and to love and to serve our wife and our kids. Amen. And then we spend our time with our kids. We love them. We teach them. We disciple them. We discipline them. We pray with them. And we go to bed, wrung out for the glory of God. And the problem is many of us go to bed feeling so bored and having so much free time, too much untapped energy. And then we go to our computer and we open the door to the enemy. I just want to say a bored man is a dangerous man. Because Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27, it says, Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Amen? Next, first is relationship, second is our pursuit of God. Discipline yourself to grow a taste for righteousness and a distaste for self indulgence. And discipline is cons- consistently making the choice to do what is right. It's not just what you want in the moment, but discipline is consistently making the choice what is the best thing to do daily. It's the daily moment-by-moment choice. And I have someone explain it to me like this, and to me it's quite helpful. It says, discipline begets desire. Because there's no gift of uh, maturity or intimacy. You cannot come down to the altar, we lay hands on you and immediately you this mature sin of God. Because it doesn't matter if you fall, live daily, pursue Him daily, read the Word of God daily, and it's not a one-time immediate level you get to. It's a discipline and a desire which is formed daily. Amen? Is that okay? And aren't we glad that Jesus does not say in the Gospels, blessed are those who live righteously and maintain a righteous lifestyle. Wow, I'm so relieved that He didn't say that. Rather, He exhorts us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst of the righteousness. And this statement is revealing that righteousness is something the faithful continuously strive after. The blessed are those, not just those who arrive, but those who continue at whatever cost in their pilgrimage towards a more perfect righteousness. The constant, relentless drive towards righteousness characterizes the blessed. Amen? But what if, Pastor, what if God is silent? Okay. If you're walking with the Lord and if He is silent, it means that He has already spoken. It means that He wants you to revisit your history with the Lord Reflect about what He has already spoken to you. And some of us, we grew up in a culture that silent treatment from our parents means, ah yeah, I'm angry with you, right? And because we grew up in that culture, we project it unto the Lord. But if we are walking with the Lord and He's silent, it's because that He has already spoken. So you have to touch your heart. You have to consider. You have to reflect. What was the last thing He has said to you? Because the Bible says shema, which is listen, it's not just listening. It means you have... To obey, amen. You have to obey. So laziness and sloth is not an infirmity. It's not a sickness. It's a sin, and it affects the entire living, our community and our family, amen. I want to add in the in this journey of growth, good intentions are not good enough. Do not make solemn vows. Okay. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse two. It says, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger or the priest in this context that it was a mistake. So why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Let me try to explain a bit what is happening here. The entire chapter is telling the people of God how to approach the divine, how to approach the presence of God, our posture when we are in the house of God. So in the earlier verse and even chapters, they talk about obedience, they talk about worship. Because when the Word of God is preached, and you sit under the Scriptures, what will happen is a lot of times, truth will be drilled into our souls, into our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you realize that truth will begin to resonate in, within our souls. Let me try to unpack it like this, okay? Um, for example, we're either sitting in cell group or in service, and the preacher will either be talking about the need for us to walk in community, the need for us to make a change in our lifestyle, to walk in holiness, and we'll be convicted. And something in us will say, yes, this is the Word of God for me. I need this right now. And one of the things that we have historically said in Cornerstone, that this is an okay place for you to not to be okay. But you don't have to stay that way. That means you can come just as you are, but you don't have to leave just as you are. Is that right? And maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You say, yes, I need to do that. I need to make a change. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, you are in the desert, but this is the way water. What's happening is when the Holy Spirit is saying that the water for you is this way, perhaps going for freedom ministry. The water for you is this way, perhaps going for biblical and marriage counseling. The water for you is through confession and, and, and a community and accountability. This way out of the desert. And if, we, and if we are honest with ourselves, a lot of times we get so convicted, we get so excited, but we live here with good intentions, we get caught up, we're in the moment of enthusiasm or crisis and we make a promise to God or some kind of vow and we sit here and say, this is the week, I'm doing this, I'm walking away from my sin, I'm sick and tired of my mess and the sad thing is, we sit here, we leave and we do nothing. We just live here with empty vows and good intentions and nothing changes. So what a preacher in this wonderful book is saying, in the moment when the Spirit of God begins to woo your heart, your soul, your conscience, listen to that voice. It's the Holy Spirit guiding you out of the desert. And sometimes for a lot of us, we are going to refuse to make any changes and then in true spiritual pouting form, we stay in our mess and then we complain about being stuck year after year, despite the fact that it was our own decision and God has been showing us the way out of the desert for very, very long. Amen. And the merciful God is saying that instead of just making that vow, how about instead you just take active steps to just do. Are we just going to be people with good intentions who make silent vows to the Lord because intentions can never replace the action of biblical obedience? Amen. You can change your life today if you start to do what you have determined to do. Because the Apostle James said, do not be hearers of the Word, only deceiving ourselves, but be doers of the Word. Amen? Because unless we have a plan to follow through, there's not going to be a lot that we've accomplished once this service is over. There must be action. And you need to know that you don't have to do it just by your own self-will. You may fall in the first few times, but do not ever give up for it is by grace field, effort. Amen? I want to share something, okay, a bit personal to you. Um, this 20, 20, 20, okay. In the year 2021, um, the Lord spoke to me that I needed to um, make a shift in my serving and in my uh, mentality towards a particular individual, okay? Um, the Lord is saying that yeah, I want you to really reconcile. I want you to really honor this person. And I, I keep telling myself, okay, I'm going to end this year, right? I'm going to do what He said, okay? But the year ended and I realized I did not do it, okay? And one of my <laughs> very good friends, Pastor Pehan, he always joked, he said, ah, yeah, wash this person's feet, lah. wash this person's feet. I'm like, ah, I'm trying, I'm trying. So 2021, I realized, wow, jala, I didn't, I didn't, uh, no, 2020. 2020, I realized, well, I didn't pass it. So I went to 2021. Then God told me again, I want you to do this, okay? So everything in my life, family, work, everything, I think I fulfilled what God has wanted me to do for the year. But this one thing, I refused to budge. But I keep telling myself, this will be the year. I'll pass the year. This will be the year. But once again, I failed the test, okay? Then I go on to the new year. And it's 2022, okay? And I thought, oh, God forgive me, but Perhaps this is just really a tough thing to do for me. Um, but the Lord in His grace and His mercy continued to uh, pursue my heart. And He did it in a very interesting way because I was supposed to do a water baptism with uh, Pastor Pehan for an older gentleman. Okay? And he was doing um, public holiday, so we were just three of us, no, four of us, including the person who brought the older gentleman to the beach. And then we came, and it was like just a glorious time. And uh, the one who brought the old man wanted to bless us pastors, because she was saying, oh, they take time out on the public holiday just to do this. God, I don't want to give them love. Gift. I want to give them something that they will really need. <laughs> so he said, I want to give me a word from the Lord for them. And I want to either draw a prophetic drawing just for them. Okay. So the next morning, we did a baptism service. It was a grand, grand service. Okay just for of us, but we felt the presence of God. Then suddenly, um, at the end, she gave us all the drawing. And for my very good friend, it was just a very nice drawing, okay. There's something personal, but it's for him. And, but for me, it was a picture of basin, lakes, water, washing feet. <laughs> First thing in my mind, cannot be la <laughs> I asked the person, my feet is being washed, right? And she so gracious, so kind. She, hold, she said, Pastor, you are the one washing the feet. And I really felt that the Lord is so gracious. I felt 2020, I felt 2021. But he said, 2022, let me just give you one more chance. Be intentional. Take active step." So I, I think I obeyed. And the scripture says, outdo one another in showing honour. And I think I did that. I think I passed 2022 well. And I'm so grateful because the Lord did not just lift me in my mess. He knew I failed, but He aggressively pursued my heart. And every time I said, oh, this is the year I'll do it, I had good intentions, okay? I had euphoria. I said to the Lord, I, I said to my friends. But at the end of the day, I need to make the decision to take active steps to make a change. Amen? Is that good? And I know, you see, it's easy to obey God when there's an expected, anticipated outcome. The challenge in the lifestyle of obedience is facing things that you can't control and you can't explain. And they they don't happen quite the way that you expect. Okay? Because waking up early to read your Bible at 6 a.m. is uncomfortable. Going to the gym is uncomfortable. Getting into community is un- and being intentional to share your struggles is uncomfortable. But at some point in our lives, we need to decide if we want to be comfortable or if we want to grow and to receive our breakthroughs. And some of you god has placed something in your heart to do something different and unique this year it's like a burden either for a group or for someone and you need to take that step to obey what god has called you to do you know um last year no, Two years ago, during Christmas spirit, this person came up to me and said, Pastor Elijah, I have this great vision and burden from the Lord. There's so many older folks in, in, in this place and they don't have people to minister to them. I just felt so burdened. And now I'm so excited to tell you about this. Okay, so I share with you my burden. Can you handle it? I said, no, 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 no. Why you got such thing? Man? I said, no, no, God give you this burden, ah, not to me. Ah. I can support you, but you need to spearhead this. He said, no, 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 no. I felt, that I need to just share with you the burden and wash my hands off. Why such thing man? If God give you the burden, take as these steps, right? Sorry, just saying uh. okay. Next, fourth, be in community, all right? Because isolation is fuel for apathy. We need the collaboration of others, the help of others. Because when you are alone, do you know what we are alone with? Our thoughts, and sometimes they are not pure because your thoughts which aren't always wholesome and healthy need to be counteracted with truth, not just from the pulpit, not just from a computer screen, but from the lives of dynamic Christians around you to balance out any faults that you might be carrying. Amen? So I spoke to a man recently, and last year, someone spoke to him in March, or God spoke to him in March, about being in a cell community. And right now, he's still not in a cell group. Nine months, no. If nine months, you cannot find a perfect cell, I promise you, even Jesus come back, you cannot find a perfect cell. Right? But if you find a community that you can entrust your heart to, and God said, this is the way out of the desert. This is the way to water. Stay connected. Amen? We cannot live in perfection, but we can live in increasing victory by the grace of God. And there's one primary reason why people get spiritually bored. It's very simple because knowledge without application eventually becomes boring and unfulfilling every single time. Amen? Do you know there's a story in the Gospels that has always spoke to me? Okay. That, um, the story of how Jesus went to the temple. We all know the story. He, he made... Um, uh, a chain chain of cords, right? Then he went to a whip. Then he began to drive the moneylenders out. And the place that this entire incident took place was called the Court of the Gentiles. And it was the largest part of the temple complex. And the design of the temple included this place for Gentiles to meet together because God had called Abraham, the patriarch of the Jewish people, to be a blessing to all nations. And the people of Israel had the mission of proclaiming the truth of God, not just to themselves, but to all people. However, the Jews, they hated the Gentiles and they decided for themselves and hoped that the Messiah, when He come, He will cleanse the temple of all Gentiles and get rid of them once and for all. And acting on that disregard for the Word of God, the Jewish leaders, the Sahedrin basically turned the court of the Gentiles into a stockyard for commercial purposes. The sale of animals for sacrifice had become one of the most lucrative sources of revenue for them. And Animals were sold for a premium because the people needed them and the exchange rates were crazy. It's a little wonder then that Jesus took such drastic action saying to them, is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And Jesus quoted from Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7 in saying that his house was meant to be called a house of prayer for all nations, including Gentiles. It was supposed to be used for prayer, worship, and evangelism. And the people of God, the Jewish people, decided we will follow all the laws, but this particular thing, we choose not to follow. Because God, God, God could not be serious about this. Gentiles? So they used the entire place meant for the proclamation of the laws of God to be spoken to the Gentiles. And they said, my we take things in our own hands. We do what we want to do with this place. And Jesus came And he cleansed the entire place for the Gentiles. Amen? So one of the things that God spoke to me when I read this story is, what would Jesus say when he walked into this place? What would the king find when he walked into this place? And the next few verses of that chapter, you can see that Jesus came out of the temple. He went to see a tree. And instead of finding fruits, he cursed it because there was no fruits. What would the king find when he walked into our house, into our hearts, into our cell groups, into this house? Because we are called to be a house of prayer for all nations. And a lot of us, we are so active in our spiritual disciplines, okay? Prayer, reading the Word of God. But one of the things that we have discussed among the pastors that we are, we are agreeable, okay, even us, eh? is the lack of evangelism. All, touch our hearts, lah. on the slide we have not been evangelizing as much as we should. And I'm so burdened by the Lord, yet so excited because the Lord has been speaking to our hearts that this will be the year that we will take active steps to reach out to the lost. Because you cannot choose just to obey a few commands and the Great Commission, you say, maybe this is just for the pastors. No, no, right? Because when you stand before the Lord, the Lord will be asking, have you done all that I've called you to do? Amen. You know, we, we met J. John, me, and Pastor Lip. And he shared this, okay. He was asking us a question. How many cell members do you have in your church? We said about 2,800. Right? And he, he gave us a few tips, okay. He's talking about prayer, caring, and sharing. I just want to lay this before you. Okay? He said you have 2,800 members in your church. Let's start with prayer. Today, I'll just start with prayer. What if every one of them... Every day, pray for 10 people who are unsaved. Every day, what will happen? Can you imagine this with me now, okay? Every day, two, sorry, 28,000 names being brought up to the courts of heaven. 28,000 names every day being brought up to the courts of heaven. Do you think our church will change? Do you think the atmosphere will change? Do you think our lives will change? So, if I can encourage you, okay, to take active steps, probably you can start in such a way. Praying for the names that God has placed in our hearts and eventually reaching them to Christ. Amen? Can we rise to our feet right at this moment? I just want to give a reminder once again relationships stay under your relationships. How is your view? Because Proverbs chapter 24 say, is it overgrown with thorns? Is the ground covered with nettles? Is your stone wall broken down? Even being faithful in the mundane is forming who you are. And next is the pursuit of God. The pursuit of God. And I'm reminded of the Romans 12 principle. You know how Romans was written? Uh, Paul gives incredible doctrinal information. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3, Chapter, all the way to Chapter 11, okay? And then Chapter 12 is the application chapter. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We have heard the word of God. We have heard countless times what God has called us to do. Right now, at this moment, we offer ourselves to God as a reasonable sacrifice. Let us lift up our hands. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, Please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.